0: Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this fine world. And I am Todd DeVoe, the host of the Todd DeVoe Show. And, well, today we're going to get into what it is uh, to be a mentor and mentoring and what it really means. And yesterday on the International Association of Emergency Managers Region 9 Symposium, uh, conversation came up um, about mentoring, and you know having like a formal process and, and what it means and, and that type of stuff. And I, I'm, I'm glad to continue that conversation today. I have Tony with me. Tony, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Todd. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be
0: here. Uh, I'm excited about this as well because we have some great conversation the other day during our pre-call. Which is kind of funny because like I didn't expect that conversation happened at the symposium yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, one of the guys who, you um, came on to talk. So I don't know if you guys know, Jackie Tamayo. Uh, she's a secretary of the region nine. Great, great lady. Um, she was kind of talking about mentoring and, and the conversation came up of like how to pick a mentor. Uh, when I say pick one, it's like, sometimes you have to go ask, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's a little kind of a weird process for some people. Um, and then sometimes, you know, he um, kind of just falls into each other as far as like that goes. But um, I'd like to talk about informal mentoring first and then how that process goes. So like, what do you think of that process? Like you you're a mentor and you've been mentee I suppose um, what's that process like for you? And was it informal or formal for you?
1: Um, I, you know, I don't think I've had a formal mentor in emergency management. Um, uh, definitely, lots of um, informal uh, experiences, um, and there's there's some um, that you know were really meaningful uh, to me, even though they might have just been really, really brief, and um, and so I, I think that that's really important, um, especially with the, those informal relationships. Is Understanding, like from the the mentor side, that you can have this impact on someone, even if you don't really, um, you know, you're not really involved deeply with their professional development.
0: You know, over the years, I, I suppose I've mentored um, multiple people, right? I mean, you know, and not even sometimes I didn't even know it, right? Like, it was uh, I, I teach. You know so you meet students in this way and and uh, they'll, they'll call you and say hey I got a question here and there and uh, you go through this process of, of developing that relationship as a teacher student uh, relationship um and then at some point when the student graduates it it doesn't I don't to say it goes like to equal right because it's kind of a weird kind of thing yeah. but they continue to want to talk to you and and you're mentoring them through and then it wasn't until probably I don't know when somebody actually brought up this idea, it's like, oh, you're you're a very good mentor. I'm like, ah, I never thought of myself as being that way. Mm-hmm. Um And so that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you just sort of fall into it. Um yep. Have you had that experience as well? As that kind of just falling in? Oh, next thing you know, you're like actually realizing that you are the mentor of the person?
1: Yeah, quite frequently. And um especially, I think, over the last three or four years as I've gotten um, more... I guess, comfortable um, doing this work and and also more involved on the professional side, especially with IAEM. Um, uh, But yeah, I think part of it is, it has to do with personality. Um, I just like providing information to people and and helping them. You know, I'm kind of like an unfucker So if there's something that I can, like some information I can provide or, or something that I can do to, to help them, that's just, um, my personality. So that, that has frequently, um, kind of morphed into that mentoring piece.
0: Yeah. You know, (coughs) I'm still getting over this cold, everybody. So every once in a while I might cough, um, you know, when you take a look at this, like some of the formal programs that are out there that are, that are being developed, um, where it's like, hey, do you want to be a mentor? And you check the yes box. And then somebody says, oh, I, I'm looking for something to fit my. And it's almost like a as as uh, Tilbury Clancy said the other day, because because it's like can we do something like it's like like speed dating where we can find the person that fits for us? And I'm like, I've never <laughs> like online speed dating for your mentor. I, I really don't think the system should work that way, but I get what he's saying. Um, do, formal, do, do, do formal mentorship programs like that? Do you think they work as well as like the informal ones?
1: Um, I've been involved with the um, future mentor program with IAEM for a number of years. And um, they're, um, uh, I have done some mentoring for a handful of people um, for, I mean, specifically for the CEM certification. Um, Mm. But um, I I try and make it um, not, not just a like, here's some information now go forth and conquer. I, um, you know, try and make it more personal. So it's not just this sterile um, partnership or, or relationship.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of how I, I, I envision sometimes the formal ones as being like this, like, here's information. Here's this person who's really good at it. And they'll send you an email, you know, very well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get, uh, you know, I've gotten a few of the, I found your name on the, the, the list on the IAEM site. <laughs> and like, I chose you because of these reasons. And then I'm like, okay. So that's
0: a great question, right? I mean, when you say that you chose me, right, or I chose you, I, I, I honestly think like, like the mentor-mentee relationship is truly a relationship. You just don't like, you know, it's not like going to Walmart and picking, you know, the mentor off the shelf and putting it in your basket and right. you know going through your self-checkout and, <laughs> you know, I mean, how does that how does that relationship build?
1: Um, it oh, is it's just so um so interesting. And I, what I find really interesting is like why for these formal relationships, why people have, um, have reached out to me and, um, you know, I, my, I, my professional background is emergency management, but I work in public health and I also, um, served in the military. So I've got like all these weird random boxes that I can check. And so when people are, looking for i don't know like someone who checks all these random boxes um then you know i am one of the people that pop up um i'm also the last time i checked i'm i'm the only um featured mentor in the state of minnesota um so that you know is also a thing it's like well who's in the state and understands how stuff works in minnesota um it's like yeah i guess i'm your only choice (laughs) <laughs> any any port in the storm
0: you oh, your only choice no you're stuck with me <laughs> that's funny don't get me laughing yep yep sorry
1: we we all know it's COVID and not a cold <laughs> it's,
0: it's COVID yeah I tested negative so I'm, I, at least right that's now I, I haven't gone back for my second test but um, so so when you go with with mentoring does it have to be somebody in the business that you're in. Right. I mean, you know, we obviously hear talk a lot about emergency management stuff, but I mean, like say could somebody in, um, I don't know, manufacturing uh, be a mentor for somebody who's an emergency management or vice versa. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't see why not there. There's different types of mentoring. So it, it I think it depends on, on what the mentee is looking for. You know, is, is someone looking for help? on their CEM certification, if so, maybe someone in emergency management. If they're looking for um, you know more experience with like public speaking or leadership, that doesn't have to be in the emergency management field.
0: Right. I I had a guy reach out to me um and was like hey I'm trying to break into emergency management. You know, this is my background. You know what what can I do? And you know, I gave them this laundry list of ways, right? And a lot of it, 99% of it is you got to do some volunteer work because, mm-hmm. um, you know, e- even if you have a degree in emergency management, if you have zero experience, um, it's going yeah. to be hard to break down that wall. Not saying that you're not a good person, not saying anything like this, just like, hey, you just don't have that, the, the, the experience. And so I'm like, yeah, America Red Cross, Team Rubicon, Salvation Army, your local church, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you service groups like the Rotary Club or whatever—all this list. i was like all these things, yeah. and and he writes back to me. He's like, "Well, I don't have time to do all that." <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> it's like okay, you know, it's like so as a mentee, you, you kind of have to be open to like these suggestions that might not be the you know, there's no answer of saying, "Oh yeah, just don't worry about. It. I'll get you a job tomorrow." That doesn't work that way,
1: uh, right?
0: What, yeah. what should the expectation be between the mentee and the mentor?
1: Um, I mean, you can, you can make the suggestions, um, but really it's the, the mentee's um, prerogative to follow through and, um, you know, they won't always take your advice. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, that someone wouldn't have time um, to, to do some volunteer work because it it is like, it's, it's gotten, I think a little bit, um, better over on the last decade where, you know, people will recognize that, okay, you have a, you have a degree in emergency management. So that actually means something now. Um, you still, you know, you, you need some type of practical experience, but, but I don't think it's, um, it's as stringent as uh, as it has been in the past. Like you know you don't have to be a fire chief in order to get a job in emergency management.
0: I think that's actually a detriment to the job in emergency manager to be honest with you. but um, yeah, I actually, it's a, kind of a, a side note. and I, I come for public safety too, so I, I'm not <laughs> slagging anything, but um, there's this person who's an emergency manager and uh, she is retiring. And everybody's like, "Hey, great retirement! What are you gonna do?" And she deadpanned, "Goes, eh, I'm thinking about replying to be a fire chief."
1: <laughs> I,
0: mean, what... <laughs> I was like, "That—that that was the best answer that I ever heard." And and I wish that I wish I could have recorded that because it yeah, was
1: just yes, the opposite of <laughs> what you usually see,
0: <laughs> right? you know, um, because the skills don't necessarily transfer over. And, and, and but that's it's why it's just so funny. So, so there's people out there who probably don't find it funny, but those of us in emergency management really, uh, understand that, uh, understand the joke. Yeah. Um, so, so that being said, like, well, how, how do you help people that are transitioning though from other, other jobs? Like they've been an accountant or whatever, you know, for, for many years. And then they're like, they want to be an emergency manager. Like how, how do you help transition that person?
1: That's funny because whenever I think of, like, what is the polar opposite of an emergency manager, I think of accountant.
0: (laughs) Me too, actually.
1: (laughs) Ah, um, So I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Um, But there... um, I, over the last, I don't know, year, I, I think, um, and I don't know if it's just like weird timing or because of the pandemic, um, but there I, I've been having a lot more conversations um, either directly with people or um, through uh, various groups about people transitioning um, or wanting to transition into emergency management and, um, you know, what... What are the ways that um, that those of us in emergency management can help with that transition um, or resources that we can share or you know what's what's the role of um, certain groups uh, in, in assisting with that so like you know with with climb and lift like we're um, you know looking specifically at how do we support um, support women in emergency management um, but then, um you know a lot of it has to do with just making people aware of um of some of the different um places that they can go to learn more about how to do that like the allied professionals caucus with IAEM um so there's you know all maybe there the problem is that there's too much information and it's mm. difficult for people to figure out where to start um, and maybe because people think that emergency management is either working in an office of emergency management or working for FEMA. Right. Um, right.
0: Let's talk about that for a minute. When, because I have some students, um, right now, um, who, one of them, I don't, I'm trying to think of, if, if it's sort of some crossover with one of the students, but anyway, she, she works, um. Uh, for uh, a unified uh, healthcare uh, system. Um, Not like a Kaiser, but, you know, I forget the name of the, 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 but she works like, you know, where they have three or four hospitals and she's emergency management for those hospitals. And um, she fell into it kind of. She said she was working in an emergency room and then her boss at the time was like, hey, we're looking for, you know, an emergency manager. Does anybody, you know, if you know anybody who wants to be one or whatever. And so she looks up what it was and she's like, I want to be one, you know, and so, you know, she went forth and and did it. Um, you know, so 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 there's all sorts of different things manufacturing. I mean, Amazon has an emergency manager. Disney has emergency management. Tesla has an emergency manager. Uber has an emergency manager. So, I mean, like, there's all sorts of jobs that you can go to. Um, how do we break that mold of saying, oh, it's only FEMA or it's only a, a local emergency management office? <laughs>
1: Um I think that those of us who work in in non-traditional emergency management um, areas have a responsibility to to speak up about it and um, it it has okay so so my experience like working in in public health, um, I don't have a background in public health I have no um academic, um, credentials for public health. Like I'm, you know, emergency management. I just kind of fell into public health. I didn't know what public health was when I started working in it. Um, but that was 13 years ago. And, um, and, and, and now like, I, I understand that what I do in public health is not any different than what the office of emergency management um, in my jurisdiction does. Like it's, you know, there's like some tweaks and we have different funding, um, but you know, we, we have the same goals. Um, We just like, sometimes they're the lead for stuff. Sometimes we're the lead. Um, You know, we have an incident management team, they're working on building an incident management team, um, so it's you know there there's um uh so what I what I was um, started saying was that we just uh, you know we have a responsibility to to share um, what we know about working in our different disciplines um, and uh, and making people aware that there are all of these different places where you can do this work and and it's a lot of it it's the same work it doesn't matter you know if you're at um at, at fema or in public health or at disney or at a utility like the you know crap happens everywhere and people need to like manage it
0: that's that's the best quote of the century i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna put that i'm gonna put that on a t-shirt crap <laughs> happens everywhere and you need to manage it that's the quote tony hauser all right um i actually I, I have a, one of my my friends uh one of the guys who i kind of started out as being a mentee mentor relationship and and we've been good friends for for many years now and he went back to school and he got his degree in public health and um and uh, I think he might be even listening. If he is, it's, it's kind of funny. And so he was actually applying for a job, going through an interview for a city, and um, he has a master's in public health. And uh, the, during the interview process, the, one of the persons on the panel goes, well, do you think the, a master's in public health is, is needed? And he's just like, well, yeah. He goes, "This you know gave his reasons behind it. And the person on the other side of the table goes, well, I think it's a little bit of overkill for a city position. And that was before COVID. And then COVID occurs. It's like it's like hmm. I bet you that person that that city's going. Hmm, maybe we should have had a public health person up sitting in the in the ESC with us.
1: Yeah. That must have been very validating.
0: Well, yeah, I think it's funny, uh, but you know, you go through that process, right? And and you think this is kind of on the other side of the coin here. You know, we look at people from different backgrounds, um, and we want to fit them into that you know, the round peg into the square hole. Um, but I, my, 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 as emergency managers, as people in, in as, I'm an educator now, um, but looking at everybody's coming in, you don't want to have a bunch of, you know, uh, squ- you know, square, square holes or square. square, square, holes. This, square right? holes. Yeah. Don't want them. You want to have like a, you just want to have a box where everybody can just sort of fall in because you want to have diversity of thought in your EOC or in your, on your team, right? You want to have a diversity of background, um, um, in what you're working with, because I think that makes for a better, uh, emergency management group. And I, and I, and, and I've seen this happen time and time again in many different cities where you get this like one view and, and. When I say one view, it doesn't make a difference what you what you look like with this one view, right? It can be a guy, you can be a girl, you can be whatever, right? It's it, but it's it's the diversity of thought which we really need to be looking at and that background. What do you think of that?
1: Um. So for um, from mid 2018 to the end of 2020, um, I uh, was actually working in the private sector for a utility company. And, um, when COVID started, um, there were a couple people from my team who were, um, tasked by our boss to come up with, you know, some type of, um, pandemic response plan for our team. And I, I heard about this and, and you know, a couple of the, the other people on, on the team were, um, were confused and they are like, Hey, why aren't you involved in this? And so I, I emailed our boss. I was like, I just, you know, not sure why not included. Um, you know, I, you hired me from public health. <laughs> I kind of know about this. Um, but, but, but the problem was that, um, the my boss's experience was was so narrow in, in the private sector that, um, well, she, I mean, she did admit that she forgot about my background. <laughs> it's like, Why did you hire me? Um, um, but, but the people that, uh, she tasked to lead this group were people that had the same, um, well, that came from the same company that she had come from. So it was, you know, she was similar with uh, with how they thought and with what she thought needed to happen. But, um, yeah, I thought that that was really a, a failure of making use of all the different experiences and, and backgrounds um, that uh, that a team can have.
0: You know, when I think of that, when I think of the failure in, 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 in diversity, I think, uh, diversity of thought, I think of IBM and they hired for a specific type of person, uh, in mindset wise, an engineer the bubble. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they made everybody wear the, the blue suit and the, uh, you know, white shirt, everybody in a tie, everybody had to have a blue suit, white shirt and tie. Mm-hmm. And not saying that a uniform is bad. I mean, I come from uniform services, so that's not what I'm talking about, but it's just the fact that like, you you are creating a, a drone of of, of you know here it is blah, blah blah, and and then when things started changing in computers, um you know you get this you know this crazy Microsoft guy out doing some stuff right you know Bill Gates and then just changes the idea of what what computers are and what they can be, and what is IBM today? They don't even make computers anymore. Mm-hmm. They just they're, they're out of the business. I don't. I don't even know what they do now. Um, as far as I know, they're still around in some capacity, but they're they don't. You don't see an IBM laptop anymore, right? You know. Um, so I, I think it's interesting that that kind of shows how that myopic mindset really is bad for um, for innovation. And uh-huh. then the other thing too is um, why sometimes are people and kind of go into this whole thing with, on the mentor side of things. I, I tell my people like, don't be afraid to fail, try things new and don't be afraid to fail. Why, why do we have this culture in emergency management that everything always has to be perfect. And when we do a tabletop exercise, we slap everybody on the back and say, great job. Um, that's, that doesn't train anybody. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, and, and I think that uh, part of the, the problem or challenge um, is, you know, with around failing is not um, not every environment makes it safe to fail, um, and you know it's it's important that we we allow our um, uh, our people to to try things knowing that it's possible that it might not work out um, I mean especially you know in emergency management like how how do we how, how do we innovate how we do our work without trying new things um so that like you know doing things the, the same way because that's how we've done them. Um, not n- not giving our, our staff um, that room to experiment, um, you know that that's how that's how we end up not knowing what IBM is doing these days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's so true, though, right? You know, um, you know when we take a look at at issues and go, we'll go to COVID, right? And um, we've seen so many people, let's say, politicians specifically and public leaders, if you will. You know, go. Oh, no one, no one could have predicted that this was going to occur, and I start going like, "Dude, maybe did you read the pandemic flu plan that we wrote? I mean, did you see SARS and MERS and, you know, <laughs> look at the 1918 flu <laughs> pandemic? You know, I mean, could we, could you not say that that we couldn't predict it because we did? How, how do we get people to listen to that? Uh, the fa- I guess they're like a better term, the failure to imagine things." Right. Like when we bring up these like obscure, crazy drills, like, Oh, that will never happen. How do we change that mindset?
1: Um, Yeah. So that's been one of the things that has annoyed me most about COVID is hearing everyone talk about how, you know, it's unprecedented. Like it's totally precedented. We've been saying like, we are going to have a pandemic like, okay, so it's not influenza. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Like it's still a (laughs) pandemic and we knew it was going to happen and you you know defunded public health emergency preparedness like for years and then surprise um so true. I, I don't have any feelings about that at all <laughs> um but um uh no oh, shoot now i forgot your question <laughs> no like
0: like how do we how do we change that mindset?
1: oh oh yeah with with those um I mean that that's that's tough because there's always there's always going to be something ha- that happens that we're not going to be able to plan for, and um, you know that that's where it's you know good and useful to plan for all hazards, but um, we also need to make sure that our plans are flexible enough to allow for those things that we didn't think of happening. Um, like, you know, n- no one up until I'm not going to do math up until 2007, people didn't think that bridges collapsed, but guess right. what they do during rush hour in major cities. Right. Um and so it's, you know, that that's a good example because like we didn't have a, you know, bridge collapse plan, but there was an all hazards plan and, and people knew what the plan was. And, and actually, um, the, I, th- I think it was like maybe three months prior to the bridge collapse, the city had, um, sent a, uh, I don't remember, 30, 60, however many people um, to the integrated emergency management course in Aniston oh, wow. Or uh, um, the other one. Any <laughs> <need> more copy? <laughs> um, yeah, Emmonsburg, yeah, thanks. Um, so, you know, it, that was like, you know, good timing. Um, so, so I guess where I'm going with that is the specific plans are less important. What's more important is that people know each other and know what needs to happen and what their roles are.
0: Absolutely. That's so true. Tony, we could talk about this forever. We're here at the end uh, of our of our time. Um like to do this again sometime. By the way, I'm actually we're gonna have the uh uh <laughs> the superintendent of the other place. Uh, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll,
1: I'll
0: let him know that you completely forgot about the, the name of Emmitsburg or EMI. Or <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, well, before we let you go, uh, is there any last words, you'd like to say to everybody out there?
1: Um, I, you know, coming from like after a couple of years of pandemic and seeing how. Burnt out. Um, the public health is. Um, I, I've gotten, and as a fairly new supervisor, um, th- as we're thinking about you know cultivating new emergency managers, the the most important thing that we can do, like yes, mentoring is important, um, internships, but the most important thing that we can do is to ensure that our staff are, are taken care of and supported and, and not burnt out. Um, because the, the work is always going to be there. Um, but the people are not, and we can't do the work without the people. So I, I think that, you know, we, we have a responsibility to watch out for our teams and our staff and, and, and each other. Um, and, uh, yeah. That's, I just want to, want to leave with, with that.
0: Tony, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Todd.
0: Hey everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, these conversations are, are are critical to really moving the profession forward and, you know, finding mentors like Tony um, to really help you through the process is critical. So if you haven't found uh, a mentor, um, I highly recommend that you do and if you're somebody who can give back if you're a seasoned emergency manager who is looking to give back to the community uh, be a mentor take people underneath your wing and show them the way and and don't be afraid because uh, at the end of the day it's the next generation that's coming behind us that's going to uh, fill our roles and and take care of this community when we leave so that being said that's the last words going for provide today everybody I want you guys to take care and Please remember, stay safe and stay hydrated.